Hey guys, this is Tanya for Dalad Nisan, Sunday, um, Parak Lamed Ches, part 3 of 5. So, first of all, I'm sorry this is so late. Um, um, okay, also, what is this Tanya about? Basically, we are, this whole chapter is all about um, intention versus action. So, like, what does it mean? What does Kavana do? Why do we, why are we supposed to have Kavana? Why does it matter that we don't need to have Kavana? What is that? mean about a mitzvah what does it mean about what's going on inside of us like there's a lot of questions about <clears throat> the world of intention within yiddishkeit and within our relationship with hashem because we just we're coming from this place of saying that a mitzvah is the main thing you know a mitzvah literally reveals hashem in any place that you're in and so technically what about if you do a mitzvah without having intention what happens then and so we've been talking about you know different aspects of it and essentially what the the main line that we're using is that the kavana is the soul of the mitzvah so the mitzvah is the body and the kavana is the soul and naturally you look at that statement and you're like wait so then does if a body doesn't have a soul then the body's dead so does a mitzvah mean anything without kavana and that's kind of where we're where we're going we're wondering we're wondering all about it <laughs> so continuing on in today's chapter in today's tanya the altar was continuing to differentiate between different levels of energy that different aspects of creation have, different levels of godly revelation that different aspects of creation have, starting from what is the difference between a gufen and a neshama. And it's very interesting because we don't usually think this way, but literally what the altar is telling us, has told us yesterday especially, is that there's actually not much of a difference between a gufen and a neshama because even if I'm thinking of a neshama, I'm still thinking of creation. And if I'm thinking of creation, then I'm in the realm of Tzimtzum. And if I'm in the realm of Tzimtzum, then I'm not only thinking of Eino Mavada. <laughs> so regardless of whether you're talking about Girlfriend Hashem, we're talking about creation, we're talking about, you know, levels of godly revelation. Um, and within that world, we're talking about the differences between how Hashem reveals himself. Well, when sometimes, in some ways he reveals himself and it's like, oh my gosh, there goes God. Hello. Hi, Hashem. And in some aspects of creation, you literally look at it and you're like, um, don't really see God there. So we're talking about the difference between um, different kinds of tzimtzum and what happens, you know, when there's different levels of godly, godly light revealed. Um, and mostly tomorrow, that's going to kind of mostly lead into actually the kavana. <laughs> um, um, kavana versus action conversation, but we're going to get there a little bit today too. So... I'm flowing here. This chapter is not having much DOS. It's not giving me much DOS. I haven't had much DOS yet, but I have faith. <laughs> I feel like every time in Tanya thus far that like I've been like, I don't get it. <laughs> like I don't get what this has to do with my life at all. Like it always ends up, you know, it always ends up mattering. It always ends up really like, oh yeah. <laughs> so I'm waiting for that moment. Um, and until then, continuing to flow with Alter So, in the physical body, um, first of all, literally physical body, like your flesh and your bones, and physicality, like literally, quote unquote, inanimate, some stuff like stones and dirt. Um, and we said this yesterday also, but inanimate really just means that you don't see the animation within it. That's all that inanimate means. Inanimate means that I don't see it being animated. I don't see energy within this thing. How does that happen? 
the reason why this is able to look so non-alive, so non-filled with energy is because the divine creative power that's inside of it is in an, the most intense simsum. And the life force that's within, it, within this thing is so minuted <laughs> to the extent that there does not even have within it the power of growth. When you look at something that is a domain, you literally look at it and you're like, you have no, sp- there's nothing spiritual about a rock, supposedly. Mm. Is there though? <laughs> but naturally, you look at a rock and you're like, there's nothing spiritual about it. And one of the, one of the main ways that you see that is because it can't even grow. The deepest, and I was thinking about how this, this pertains to, uh, to our lives very much, that the deepest symptom, the biggest symptom of life, the biggest space where you're in a state of not being tapped into the godly energy of that of the moment, which is the more you can't tap into the godly energy, the more the symptom is. And the most of a reflection of that experience is the experience of saying, this cannot change. This cannot grow. This is what it is, and there will not be growth from here. There cannot be change from here. This just is what it is. It is what it is. It is what it is. It's the biggest sins when there could possibly be. It's like literally looking at a rock and just saying, it is what it is. It's been here forever. It's been here for always. There's not a God. There's just nature, right? And in our lives, how often do we do that? We look at aspects of things, of, of parts of us that you know, still need healing or aspects of our personalities that get triggered so often and we're just like, no, can't, they can never change. It is what it is. I am this way because I am this way. It's like that is the definition of the biggest level of tzimtzum. In the altar of his words, to the extent that it literally looks like it does not grow. So it's pretty wild. That's the deepest level of tzimtzum. Then there is another level of tzimtzum. In vegetation, this the divine energy within it is not as great of a tzimtzum. And how do I know that? Because in vegetation, it does vegetation does grow. And again, that growth is the reflection of there not being as big of a tzimtzum. So it's kind of a cyclical thing. In general, the world, all things in the world are are divided into four things. Actually, in general, everything is divided into four, and then there's always a fifth. It's a very interesting concept in Chassidus in general. But this is one of the things that's divided into four. There is inanimate, vegetation, animal, and human. Which are correspondent to the four names of the four letters in Shem Havaya. That from those letters comes the thing as it looks like it is. So depending on the letter that it comes from, it'll either look like domain or like tzomech or like chai or like medaber. Just like there is absolutely no comparison between the level of divine energy that's inside of inanimate and vegetation compared to human and animal. So the altar bit basically right now is splitting up these four levels into two and two. And he's taking inanimate, which I'm saying inanimate, even though I've already said a million times that it's not actually inanimate. It's just that you do not see the animation within it. That is the definition of inanimate. That I look at a stone and I say, there's no energy in this. This stone just exists because it always has existed. And it's never going to not exist because it's just a stone. <laughs> That is the definition of, it's the most intense symptom because I'm literally, I see no potential for 
energy within it. When in the meantime, what's actually happening in that stone is that it's divrei havaya creating that stone to be. It's Hashem's breath creating that stone to be. So meach, plants, also, I mean, nowadays people have like plants as friends. <laughs> but in general, plants aren't don't have emotion, you know, or maybe people say that they do, but <laughs> those people are just few people. Um, but animals, on the other hand, do. You know, a kalev is literally called kalev because it's kilev. Animals, a dog is man's best friend. People own animals as pets. It's really, an, pet animals are, are emotional beings, even amongst each other. Literally, I was on a flight for the past, whatever, two days. I went to Arizona, then I came back. And literally, on the way there, I watched The March of the Penguins. And on the way there, I watched a documentary about elephants. And on the way back, I watched a documentary about elephants. And like, I have never seen something so amazing. Like these animals take care of each other and like they find love and it's it was just wild to see. And it's actually crazy. I didn't even notice until this moment that I'm saying this out loud. The Hashkachar practice of seeing that experience of animals, you know, having that not human experience, but emotionally filled experience. That you look at an animal, just like when you look at a person and you're like, you clearly have energy surging within you you clearly are alive with some higher energy you know and when you look at an animal really you're able to say the same thing i mean and if you don't see that yet oh my gosh watch march of the penguins or this documentary on these elephants just oh my gosh it was so beautiful to see wow okay anyways then this next paragraph out there by saying even though just put this in parentheses even though there is this huge differentiation between, you know, animals and humans versus inanimate and vegetation. Really, they're all just in state of concealment. Even people, you don't look at a person and obviously see that God is within it. You don't look at a person and say, wow, you are Divri Havaya walking through the world. So really, we're all in concealment but yet there really is within the concealment levels of concealment to the extent that when i'm looking at a person i can more quickly get to a point of saying there's clearly spirituality within you there's clearly an energy flowing inside of you that isn't just you weren't just you know it doesn't take much to say oh you're not just a mixture of sperm and egg (laughs) you know like you are something there's something going on here versus when you look at a rock eh maybe it just always was this way you know so Galtier was taking the the differentiation between those two categories and those two categories and he's going to differentiate that to the differentiation between kavana and a mitzvah a mitzvah is going to be compared to the lower two categories which are domim tzomech which is what you look at and you're just like okay maybe god is real but you don't look like you have god inside of you versus the energy the divine energy that is flowing in an even more intense way in people and in animals where it's much you're, you could be much quicker to say wow god is within you because literally the divine energy within it is flowing in a more abundant way in a more possible possible to be seen way less tzimtzumed still tzimtzum because you're not looking at it and you're saying you are literally one with hashem you look like a body you look like an animal you know and yet when you when you are engaging with when you're engaged with a person or with an animal, you're able to tap into the state where you're like, wow, there's clearly divine energy here. And that's the result of there being less of a tzimtzum. Okay. 
Similarly, there is no comparison or similarity between that illumination and flow of the blessed. I'm just reading inside. <laughs> Give clarity. Illumination and flow of the blessed and self light, which is the inner aspect of his will. As it encloses itself and, you know, radiates itself when I do a mitzvah. So when I do a mitzvah, I'm literally, I'm, I'm one with Hashem in that moment. And yet there is no comparison to the light and energy of Hashem that I experience when I do a mitzvah. It went, there's no comparison of the, of the energy of Hashem that's found in a mitzvah in comparison to the energy of Hashem that is found within the kavana as I'm doing the mitzvah. What is the kavana? This would be man's intention to, to attach himself to Hashem, that feeling of, I want you, God. And the energy that is the divine, the, the divine revelation, you know, the energy of Hashem being revealed in the moment of saying, I want you, Hashem, versus doing a mitzvah that Hashem is revealed, but you're not experiencing it. So the symptom is greater in a state of doing a mitzvah that you're not experiencing Hashem. <laughs> but okay, Hashem is there, but just like Hashem is in a rock, you know, Hashem is in a rock too, but I'm not experiencing it. And we're saying that that symptom is quite literally less when you're having kavana than when you're not having a kavana. Also, the simsum is on a much lower level when you are having kavana in tefillah and in saying the Shema. And when you're having intention in those moments, there is actually a greater level of divine revelation. Just like the divine revelation that is greater in people and animals versus plants and inanimate. So tomorrow, we're going to start talking. We're going to kind of start to wrap up this conversation by starting to ask like okay well then if if the divine revelation is greater when i'm having kavana than when i'm doing a mitzvah well why do i need to do a mitzvah then (laughs) you know which is a great question so and yeah see you tomorrow